0: This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And welcome to the Friday show, where we are going to preview a full weekend's worth of action. Both baseball and softball will be at home, and for the first time in a while, it won't be four other softball Teams going around at the same time. We are into conference play, meaning it's just the Bulls and East Carolina Pirates who come to town with already more wins than last year. We'll tell you more about the opponents for both squads. VCU, finally a below 500 team. The Bulls aren't facing some juggernaut, but then when you dig a little deeper, yeah, this will not be an easy opponent either for Billy Mo, for Billy Moles' squad, which will begin conference play Next week, we're going to have all the action covered for you, save for one we'll explain as far as this weekend goes. Coming up in our second segment, some of what Todd Orlando had to say, and I thought it was great, by the way, the new defensive coordinator for the Bulls, along with Jason Vaughn. As he emerged last year's best year as a Bull on the defensive line, we had him on, I remember, the football radio show, and we're kind of impressed with how he carried himself and how he explained things, and you'll be even more impressed, I think, After, uh, I guess, another offseason of press seasoning because he had some tremendous things to say about the scheme, etc. You also hear a little bit from Lloyd Summerall, another member of that defense. They all spoke at a press conference Thursday afternoon at the IPF, and we picked some of the highlights out for you here. A full weekend in tennis as well. We did not do a show yesterday, so we did not get to recap what the men's team did on Wednesday. We'll remedy that here shortly. Also, track and field is at an event in Orlando this weekend over at UCF. So this segment will preview what's to come. In our second block, we'll let you hear from Coach Orlando and a couple of members of his defensive line. And we will end the hour with a longer chunk, somewhere around 10 minutes of Around the American, as there's been plenty of baseball alone over the last two days. But also, did you know that women's lacrosse in the conference has two top 10 nationally ranked teams? They were winning games. One was pushing another top 10 team so it's a pretty competitive conference already for that sport which the Bulls will enter in in a couple of years. One team fell out in the WNIT last night actually one fell out in the NIT on Wednesday so we got some basketball still to come and of course the Houston Cougars are in action tonight in the Sweet 16 which began last night with Some tremendous games. Wow. Kansas State, Michigan State contest was a thriller. No, I did not stay up for the late games, but FAU rallying in the second half and Gonzaga and UCLA absolutely going back and forth with Gonzaga winning the men's, I guess you'd have to say fifth day of the tournament was a little bit better than days three and four as far as exciting endings went. But the beginning of this show, and let's start off with men's tennis because they were in action on Wednesday. We've been telling you about how they've steadily improved their record and how after an 0-3 start and eventually 4-8 start the Bulls had a chance to get above 500 with an important win on Wednesday if they could get it and they got it and they had to come back to get it against an FAU team that had sent the Bulls to 0-3 in Boca Raton the first weekend in that match because it was part of a three-day event it was a shutout for nothing but the other three matches were still going into a third set well none of them got to a third set this time how about that the bulls after losing the doubles point and again the bulls had lost four matches in a row to get to four and eight their season turned around when they knocked off top 50 at the time penn state and then got a close one against liberty almost in a match that you forget about because it was kind of tucked into a monday they hadn't played for a while they went to texas a&m and got swept but since then they have not lost, and FAU was a good example of what they can pull off. After losing the doubles point, meaning they had to win four singles matches, again, all in straight sets, the Bulls were victorious. Now, the last two were tight second sets, but two victories with ease. Eric Valius, the Georgia transfer, wins his match at the number three single spot, 6-1, 6-2. Now, Alvin Todorica did lose his match, so FAU at the time was up 2-1. to one. Only for Davide Tortora, who in the first meeting was up 5-3 to three in the third set, about to get at least a point for the Bulls. But again, they called off the match once the Owls had clinched everything. So Tortora evened things back up from an overall perspective, winning his match 6-3, 6-3. So it was whoever was going to take two of the next three going. The Bulls lost at number five. Elijah Cham fell 6-3, 6-3. However, the other Australian Bull, Thomas Pavlikovic Smith, was able to finish off his match 7564 so it came down to number 4 singles and last year at home against FAU Bruno Oliveira he's the transfer from South Carolina lost the last match that decided things for FAU 4 to 3 he actually won his first set different opponent by the way 6 love and then lost in a tiebreaker 9-7 well chance to finish it off and hopefully not go to a third set right and Bruno Oliveira went to a second-set tiebreaker, but he prevailed 7-4, to four, so the Bulls put together another big win. They came in ranked 60th, FAU 58th. The new ITA rankings will be released as they are every Tuesday. And if you can get close to that top 50, then you're in a position where the last couple weeks of the season, you put yourself in a spot to gain an at-large into the NCAA tournament. The Bulls have a handful of matches left all against conference opponents so the non-conference slate is over it was mighty strong the Bulls emerge from it with a 10 and nine record they will play Wichita State Sunday afternoon has had a very similar season to the Bulls in fact they're just one match below 500 but only after dropping their last two both at home by the way by the narrowest 4-3 margin Wichita State comes to town 9 and 10. Memphis is the highest ranked team in the conference, so would be the number one seed for the AAC tournament. The Bulls entered this week as the sixth highest ranked team, but there are indeed six ranked teams. Guess what? The four ahead of them in the rankings are the other four teams they play after Wichita to end the season. And get this, all of these matches are at home. We earmarked it well, about a month ago on the program, they're going to finish up the season with nine home matches. If you're wondering, is UCF one of those teams? Yes. That would be Friday, April the 7th. Mark it down on your calendar. By the way, UCF is starting to come around. We'll get there at the end of the hour with Around the American. But as far as Wichita State, that is the next opponent for the Bulls. You can check it out if you like on Sunday afternoon at one thirty. The women's tennis team is actually the second highest ranked in the conference, which is really saying a lot. And just shows you the talent that Christina Moros has added over the last couple of years. Of course, Sierra Berry came in and turned heads as a freshman last season. She just won her second weekly honor as far as Player of the Week. But it's not just her that has the Bulls. Not only above 500, but well above it now at nine and five. That's thanks to a five-match winning streak. They will look to keep it going. Now they go out of conference for their next few and they played DePaul at home that Saturday at noon. While the Bulls are 9-5 and five and on a big winning streak, DePaul is 9-5 and five and on a big winning streak, which includes a home victory against 40th-ranked Iowa. They have won the Blue Demons eight matches in a row after a tough schedule to start things off. They actually got swept at future Bulls opponent in North Texas. Mark that down. But in their 1-5 start, they had gotten shut out four of those times, but they turned it around. Beating Kansas State, shutting them out, conference win against Butler, and then that big one against Iowa before going to Omaha to beat both UNO Omaha and Creighton. And then follow that up at home with wins against Drake Marquette and then at Georgetown last weekend. So DePaul, nine and five, Bulls nine and five. Mark it down on your Saturday at noon. Now I can't deny it's gonna be impossible to watch everything that's going on at USF this weekend or at least Watch them all at the same time. I just told you about the two tennis matches. Women at home, Saturday at noon. Men, Sunday at one thirty. Well, while that's happening, we're going to have baseball and softball going on. And, oh, yeah, the first football scrimmage is also going on on Saturday afternoon. More on football in our second block. So you will have to do some mapping out to figure out how to watch everything or at least how to spread it around. As far as baseball goes, we'll be on the air for all of these tonight at 6.30, then Saturday at two. And Sunday at 1, I'll have Kevin Erlinson come on and help me out doing the broadcast on Sunday, but I'll be on the microphone for tonight and tomorrow afternoon. VCU as the opponent, and yes, just 10-11 and on the season, but you dig a little deeper. First of all, this is a team that won more than 40 games last year, made the NCAA tournament as the A-10 champ for a second straight year, and by the way, beat Georgia and North Carolina in the regional before Needing to beat North Carolina one more time, and the Tar Heels were the host, and got them twice. However, this team started off this year two and one before they dropped a series at home to Sacred Heart, got swept. They played North Carolina again a couple times and lost to them two more times. So all of a sudden, their record was dipping they only won one of their next five. They played West Virginia in there. They played Liberty in there. Remember the other day we told you about FGCU, how the Eagles, who are now 18-4 and four after following their win against the Bulls on Tuesday, where, by the way, the Bulls held the Eagles to their second lowest output of the season and no home runs. FGCU turned around on Wednesday night and hit three at FIU in an easy win. Well, that Liberty team that was picked to finish first in the A-Sun and FGCU won a series against, took down VCU 10 nothing. It's how they were starting, but since then, they've got it turned around. They've got some guys heating up in the batting order over the last five games, and they are now 10-11, and but winners of seven of their last eight. The Bulls going with Ethan Brown for the start. Boogie Brown wasn't great last weekend against Army, but kept the team in the game to make the comeback. Hunter Mink will pitch Saturday, and Jack Seabird has been very solid. will pitch Sunday. Incidentally, the Sunday starter for VCU, Mason Delane, Pitched a complete game, one nothing victory. It was their first complete game shutout for the Rams since 2015. These teams haven't played each other since 1995. Again, we'll have the call for all those. And, of course, we want you to tune in to the pregame show tonight. Planning for a full pregame show. I got to say, when the baseball and softball games are scheduled two hours apart, that's why we're bringing in Kevin Erlinson to work the Sunday game. It's a tight squeeze Two and a half hours apart, we should be okay tonight with softball. More on that in a second, beginning at four. But we'll tell you more about the Rams, whose head coach, Bradley LaCroix, came to be their head coach after more than a decade as an assistant at Clemson. Replaced Sean Stifler, who, as I just mentioned, got VCU to the NCAA tournament a bunch of times and partly laid that into the Notre Dame job. Well, Bradley LaCroix is the head coach. And like I said, they've been coming together of late, especially a couple of their bats, Ethan Brooks, is hitting 462 over the last five games. So he's hitting 242, but he's gotten it going. Their top hitter is Brandon Ikey. He bats 330 for the season with three homers and 20 RBI. Well, he's hit 400 in his last five games and had a two-homer game in their sweep over the weekend against NJIT. Cooper Benzin is hitting 317, but yep, last five games 381. So the Bulls are getting a team that's Firing on all cylinders of late, and they got to watch out on the base pass because VCU's catcher Nick Erickson, whose nickname is Chunk, that's a pretty awesome nickname for a catcher, has already thrown out 11 runners this season. Now on to the football coaches, of course, their scrimmage, not on the calendar, by the way, but something that I will be able to observe on Saturday afternoon before we head over to the baseball field. And that is the first scrimmage for Alex Golish's team. And of course, the defense of Todd Orlando has gotten a first glimpse at what that has to offer. Some outstanding comments here from Coach Golish's first defensive coordinator as a head coach and somebody that, and you'll hear some more in his comments here, has a little bit of history going up against the Bulls now is part of USF. We'll get to that in a second. But starting off with not only his relationship with Coach Golish, but his relationship of the defense to working against that offense i think it'll get you pretty pumped up if you're a bulls fan
1: well we competed against each other when he was at iowa state um we we saw each other quite a bit on the road recruiting too and you know in this profession i think a lot of people get kind of labeled as you know somebody that can coach somebody that can recruit somebody that's a bunch of hoorah rah some guys that are like i mean legit pro pros and war gets around pretty quick and i've always thought about him as a pros pro you know, every time that I saw him, he was always hustling, working. Uh, we've, we competed against each other um, schematically. I, I know this part of, we would always go out of our way to see each other after games, um, to, to talk with each other and, and say what a good job each of us uh, had done and just kind of stayed in touch. You know, it's, and it's just one of those things where when you've been in this long enough, word of mouth comes back to what a person's all about. And I think that's probably the, the biggest attraction to me is knowing you're going to somebody that's gonna be very, very detailed, very, very thorough, sharp as heck. And and obviously what he, he accomplished at Tennessee is like unheard of offensively. So it was a really cool combination and it's great to be here.
0: And love how he just snapped right into it as far as being asked, you know, what's the biggest thing he wants to accomplish with his defense and not all of it is on the field. Check this out.
1: Get these guys closer together. It wasn't schematical. It was to make sure that each person knew a little bit about somebody Each person cared a little bit more about somebody. That's our number one goal in spring football. Like if you literally asked our players and I was to pull up a PowerPoint on it, it says come together. That's it. Like people want to say like schematically, we got to do this, tackle better in space. That's obviously on there. But there's a whole bunch of other things. But that's priority number one. Because our thought process is this. If I don't know you and you ask me to do something, more than likely I'm probably not going to do it. But if I know you and care about you, you like a parent or a guardian, more than likely I'm going to do it at a pretty high level. So that's the start of, to me, any, envir- any work environment, is to get close enough to people that you care for them, that you trust them, that eventually you love them, that there's going to be a low failure rate. And that's what we're working on right now. So that's the number one goal, and we'll continue that way. The second part is the fundamentals. We've got to clean up the simplest things of staying low, taking proper angles to the football, playing better in space, You know, all those things accumulate into how we can get better.
0: I love that first part because sometimes we're a team, we're a family, this kind of thing. It becomes cliche, but that is a great explanation of what they're really trying to accomplish here. Yes, the on field stuff will eventually be what you judge things on, but that fundamental part, wait to hear what Jason Vaughn has to say about that. You'll have to wait much longer. More from Coach Orlando here about what can happen, hopefully at USF.
1: Now, we were kind of on the same course when I was at UConn, just made the jump into 1A football, but we were like stride for stride in terms of like the progression up. And I always remember this, you know, I think about Matt Grothy and I think about some of the guys that I had to compete against as a defensive coordinator. And just that, when I looked at this program, I said, my goodness, these guys have been in existence for, you know, seven or eight years and they're always, they're almost number two in the country. And uh, just thought about the talent that was down here And if, like I said this beforehand, if you can draw kind of a a three-hour radius around this place and we can keep the best ball players from going someplace else, the sky's the limit here. So it's got everything, the attraction of everything that you need to win a championship.
0: One more from Coach Orlando and some good stuff from Jason Vaughn, but sidetrack, Matt Grothy is now my Elite Eight opponent. Surely you know about this, but if you don't, make sure you get to, well, I'll tweet it out. Just go to my Twitter page, at Derek Sharp. Um, I might be uh, coming to the end of my run in the USF Bulls Twitter March Madness bracket. I have not cruised. I had a challenge in the last round, the Sweet 16, into the quarterfinals. But now it's Matt Grothy. So I'm prepared to see my season come to an end on USF Bulls Twitter March Madness. But hey, if you want to vote for me, go for it. Now, one more from Coach Orlando. Oh yeah, the pace of Coach Gullish's offense Nothing but helping them out, but apparently they like to operate at a certain pace and level and proficiency.
1: There's certain ways to go to help you when you're seeing a pace offense. or certain things that you can do to try to slow things down. But the way the efficiency of, especially the way like our offense can do it, I mean, it's down to, I almost laughed because it was like for the center, he wants the ball handed back to him in a certain manner so he can get the grip faster, so he can snap it faster. I'm like, oh my goodness, man, this is... This is insanity going into it. So that's what the mindset is, to steal every second. So you can't, you get fatigued. And ultimately, when you get fatigued, you make mistakes. So this is really about us communicating. First off, when a call gets in, cut down the verbiage, because I can't read a book to you. Like, by the time your eyes are back, they're already ready to snap the ball. And then we've got to communicate and get lined up. And then we've got to be able to execute at a high level fundamentally. So every day in practice, and you would see it today in the beginning of practice, we actually work a drill. We do it on air versus a small formation, but we have to work it. That's why an offense is really good at it because every day they work it on air and we reversed it and we said, okay, every day we're going to work it on air so we can get better at it.
0: Pretty cool stuff, huh? Also, as I mentioned, Jason Vaughn is becoming pretty much a go-to type as far as we media sorts in explaining things, and he was right on it. First of all, his head coach, and then getting into some of the defense.
2: Funny dude. He's a funny guy. Um, You know, super motivating, super high energy all the time. Like, you know, if stuff was going on behind the scenes, you would never know because, you know, the guy always has a smile on his face. He's always energetic, personable. I feel like I can go to Coach Golish's office and just chop it up with him whenever. And I feel like that brings true value as a player, for coaches to be able to have that kind of um, status that makes you feel like you can just go to him for whatever, you know. It's more like a closely knit relationship as opposed to, like, you know, a super prestigious coach just being like a unicorn almost. And uh, I really appreciate that. He makes things easy. He makes things easy to understand, makes things easy to learn, makes things clear-cut so that you know exactly what you're what you expecting. He doesn't hide anything. He doesn't jump through any loops or anything like that. Um, he tells the players exactly what it is, and I appreciate that because, um, you know, you don't want a coach that's going to kind of beat around the bush about things. Like, he would just cut it to you straight. And as a man, even, that's, like – you know I I can respect that and then as a player to a coach I can definitely respect that it's extremely fundamentals have been extremely important we uh every meeting every time we meet with the coaches um they have you know a percentage breakdown of our assignment our alignment our technique and based on that percentage you know where you're at you know what I'm saying and you know they set a um a kind of like a goal for us to hit so like for example our technique should be 90% or better every practice but um which is very challenging you know what I'm saying it helps us you know it challenges us helps us to get better as a team helps us to reach that that goal, but they've harped on on fundamentals extensively. Like we haven't even done any sort of live kickoff reps or anything because he wants us to get the fundamentals and technique down so that once those reps come and we start implementing installs and special teams and stuff like that, then stuff is rolling and we don't have to worry about coaching fundamentals or anything like that. It's more like the, the coaching and teaching is more catered to the play call and the scheme itself rather than technique.